All right, Frank, let's get it out of the way. How many iPhones did you buy? Uh, I did buy one. I bought the iPhone XS, just one. How many iPhones could you possibly need? But the real question, James, is did you buy an iPhone? Well, I put in a purchase for an iPhone. (laughs) Okay. Maybe not for myself, but maybe for someone that I live with that needs a new iPhone because she is running an iPhone 6S, which is not even a phone at this point. (laughs) Is it a gift? That's pretty cool. It is a gift. So it's not that the iPhone, I think the iPhone 6S is a pretty good device. And the problem that we, I think we've mentioned before is it only has 16 gigs of RAM or of, of memory. And this oh. is a problem. Yeah. I was actually just checking how much memory I was using because uh, they offer a 512 gig option now. Can you believe that? You don't need that. And I was like, do I need that? <laughs> so I looked at the uh, storage app because I was actually curious if I was actually even over 64, which I am. I was using about 128 on the wow. dot. So Ooh. I had to get the uh, medium sized one, the 256 gig. Not bad. Well, yeah, I was talking to a lot of people. Miguel, I was talking to Phil Hack. Let me just keep not dropping names. Um, <laughs> and And we were talking about this, which is funny because it's as... As time goes on and you don't delete anything off of your phone ever because you want it all there, you have to keep upgrading over time. So for Heather, um, she will go from 16 to 64, which will be so much, right? But her next phone, she'll have used 50 gigs. So now you got to get the 128 or 256 or whatever. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. you you definitely grow into what you have with these things. Uh, But they do have a nice new app. I don't know if it's an iOS 12 or 11 where um, it suggests ways to decrease your storage. Mm. And a big one for me, turns out I was keeping a lot of high resolution photos in my iPhotos, which is silly. I, I mean, you rarely need like a super high res version of something and you can usually download it when you need it. So like I could free up 50 gig, I think <laughs> it's a yeah. pretty big and impressive amount, but whatever. I have the space and I just went for the bigger one. Yeah, it wasn't too much. So did you get the you get the XS or the XS Max? No, I did not go Max. So I did used to use like the six pluses and the seven pluses, but they are gigantor. And as much as I love the idea of a, a a giant screen device that somewhat fits in my pocket, the truth was they never really did fit in my pocket. So I'm sticking with uh, the current. What do you call it? Medium. It's not small. Looks like we lost the uh, iPhone SE in other news, too. We did. It is officially gone. The only iPhones that exist are 7, 8, and XS, and the brand new XR. The XR. What does the R stand for? I've been trying to make up a good regular. (laughs) I went for reduced. (laughs) But (laughs) but it's it's like... It's in between. It's 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 like the in between, right? Because it's a little bit bigger than the XS, but a little bit smaller than the XS Max. Yeah, I think it needs a cute name. Actually, now that I think about it, because it's a very attractive and um, attractive uh, physically and in uh, its potential. Because it's a, a simpler design. It's the aluminum back, which is you know a little more rugged. It's the LED screen, so maybe that's how they uh, decrease the price a little bit, and. What they say, it sounds like it's a good screen. So looks like a great little phone. Um, no more Touch ID, death of Touch ID. So it doesn't have that. But uh, otherwise, I think it'll be... Oh, and you can get it in colors. So oh, that's a yeah. nice little thing. I love the yellow one. That's my favorite one. It's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> that would be the one yeah. I would get. But I, I, wouldn't, I don't want the XR. I want the X. 
S. Hello. Yeah. Come on. I kind of love the OLED screen, so I'm stuck with whatever model has that. But so how, I do like the colors. How did you feel about this event? I mean, I'll get to the watch later, but how did you feel about these phones and the announcements? Because there's, there's more than just a design. It looks just like the phone, but... Like like you're saying, we're, the touch sensor officially gone. Like touch ID, it's gone forever now, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. How do you feel? Uh, you know, I don't miss touch ID. I, I'm fine with face ID. It mostly works. It's only annoying when it's like when you're at a bar and it's laying flat on a table. That's the only time it's annoying. So, touch ID or <laughs> face ID is fine by me. Oh, overall, the the event was fine i wasn't overly excited by anything it, it's a nice watch maybe we'll talk about that but i was a little sad there weren't any uh fancy new ipads i was hoping for a oled ipad because i've really fallen in love with those screens but mm-hmm. so i was a little disappointed there but otherwise nice new phones what can you say no new macs no new other desktop bigger macs no new iMacs. no new i mean there were a lot of new things recently no new mac mini Oh, one day, one day. Uh, never. I mean, they keep uh, teasing it too, right? Weren't they saying like, we haven't given up on it and everyone keeps doing these like concept renderings, but yeah. nothing. So I did enjoy one part of it was uh, the focus on neural networks for a lot of stuff. So it turns out uh, the XS, which does not, or XR, sorry, uh, which does not have the second camera and can't do the uh, easy depth sense, depth sensing kind of trick. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing that with a neural network instead, which is super cool, right up my alley. So it was fun to see that. And the new phone has something ridiculous, like four or six neural cores, which is just a giant little math engine that they stuck on the phone. And they said it gets something like five teraflops. And it's like, okay. This is uh, pretty awesome. So it's kind of an exciting device from that perspective. Yeah, the A12 Bionic is pretty ridiculous. Uh, That is the thing is eight cores, eight core neural engine, which is about eight eight cores. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And it is a good section of the chip, I would say. Um, Very impressive. They somehow made graphics 50% faster, 50% lower energy usage and performance it's a new engine it's a whole new thing as far as i understand the gpu gpu has a whole new kind of engine the way the chip works so i think it's apple's first or maybe second uh go at it so kind of exciting there too they're really killing it in the silicon field apple yeah they're doing a good job i mean it makes a lot of sense they bring it in-house they completely control it they make pixel pixel perfect that's a weird way of saying it but we'll see if you know i think (laughs) that's one thing that other manufacturers can learn from Google uh, is, you know, Apple's been doing it for many years now and they're starting to perfect it. And guess what? They're coming out with some banging, banging hardware. Right. And in fact, you know, the watch is, is very similar and I'll talk about the watch because I think that uh, it's pretty impressive. You know, this is a very impressive launch of all three products. They're available to pre-order. And then a week later they ship um, 14th, 21st and the XR comes out a little bit later. Mm-hmm. I think is that's good. That's good timing. Get all the exp- get all your money, expensive money first, and then go from there. <laughs> but the watch series four, um, they announced like new features. There's like an e- EKG, not an EKG thing, but it has the digital crown. It has uh, haptic feedback. It has an electrical uh, heart sensor. 
And ECG? Is that what it is? ECG. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Not EKG. Not EKG. That's very different. <laughs> Neither of us are doctors. We don't know anything. <laughs> My favorite part, though, is the new gyro and accelerometer, which can do fall detection, which is bananas. Yeah, uh, I I didn't know what to think about that, and I still haven't quite made up my mind. Like, I I have the uh, heart rate one on, and it's kind of hilarious. I must do the most ridiculous activities because I'm always getting these false positives with the uh, heart rate monitor. It's like you're having a heart attack, and I'm like, nope, kind of just sitting here having fun. <laughs> so, so I worry like we'll be saying people are falling over all the time, but I I trust that they're gonna do well. I another uh, neural network thing they mentioned that all the new uh, metal performance shaders and that neural network stuff that's available on iOS uh, 12 also runs on the watch, if Mm. you can believe it, that tiny little device on your hand. So I was most excited by the uh, bigger screen. I just think it's a better looking design now. They haven't really changed the body design in a while. It looks like they finally added some more curvature to it. I think it just looks a little nicer. Yeah, it looks good. You know, I'm not a watch person. But I will say this, uh, one thing that I like about, um, some people may not know, but I, I ride my bike home from Redmond every single day uh, home. And this is <laughs> amazing. Helpful. It is amazing. I, this... can't, I can't believe you do it. I'm just, oh my God. <laughs> you, you make me feel so ashamed. Like I don't do anything of that caliber. It's not bad. It's fun, right? It's it's good. I like uh-huh. it. Um, I was a little worried today because it was raining this morning, but it, it cleared up for me to come home. But one thing of interest here is that I do a Strava and I do a recording, uh, a, a live recording of it. So uh, I send this to uh, anyone that needs information. So if I'm riding home, I send a beacon, they call them beacons. I send a beacon out to Heather. And then if I'm recording a podcast with you, I also send you a beacon <laughs> so you can watch me ride my little bicycle. I've never witnessed yeah. it, actually. Oh, is that right? It's a good little map. I don't know this. I, I used to be so excited by this stuff, but now it's it's pretty well baked into everything like Apple has it by default, but they don't do trails. They don't do the breadcrumb trail, which is kind of sad, um, mm. but that's ba- baked right into iMessage. And then I always used another one in the past called Glimpse. It's kind of still my favorite app for trying to corral a bunch of people together. You just get them all onto the same Glimpse group and you can see where everyone is. Mm. And, locate each other it's just kind of nice for that well it's crazy about strava is that i have to pay for that service it's actually actually, oh yeah yeah i've never paid for glimpse i don't know how they make any money yeah strava makes sure i've ever (laughs) strava makes sense but you know my thing with the strava is that the idea here is that if something goes wrong you will have clearly seen me stop for a significant amount of time on the map and that usually means (laughs) something is fairly wrong however what I like about the watch, while I'm not a watch person, not an Apple person for iPhones, is that I start to think, well, what if I do fall? What if I do get hit by a car? What happens Eesh. in this situation? I think about it all the time. People, oh. people are yelling at me today, but I mean, whatever. Um, oh, God. Okay. Wow. You just made, <laughs> went for a turn for the dark here. Oh, boy. But what happens, right? I mean, we're not recording a podcast. We're not recording a podcast and you wouldn't even know. But the Apple Watch Series 4 would alert everybody. They'd be like, oh, my goodness. It would know that I was falling. It would notice probably that my heart rate either is racing out of control or it has stopped. These are Mm. real world things, Frank, that may happen to me one (laughs) day. Thank you. Thank you for all the imagery. Um, um, I guess I think 
this is continuing down their path because they added that uh, emergency SOS mode that I keep accidentally activating on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) So I hope no one's like, you know, getting drunk and then calling the poor firemen to come over and help them. <laughs> yeah, I'm intrigued by the the feature. I'm intrigued by everything. I, you know, I, it makes me, you know, Miguel was yelling at me. He really wants me to switch. He really wants me to give it a try. Nah, <sighs> just the alternative. No, what am I even saying? Like, doesn't 80 percent of the world use Android? Yeah, that's correct. It's some ridiculous number. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the biggest thing with with going back and forth on on devices as i call it like it's the family thing right because everybody in my entire family has an iphone so everything Ooh. is easier right iMessage is easier facetiming is easier yeah. literally everything's you know find my friends you, is easier. you join the blue club yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> i was trying to think of a way to tie that into the dual sim thing because it looks like they're finally putting dual sims onto iphones but that doesn't help you at all. Never mind. International <laughs> travel. There you go. So yeah, maybe. But all right. Anyway, that's my. That's our iPhone update. I said five minutes. I said Frank, we're going to talk about iPhones for five minutes. Fifteen minutes later, we did it. Oh geez. Okay. Yeah. And uh, someone was asking if we were even going to talk about this at all. I'm like, nah, nah. It was kind of boring. We're not even going to mention it. So here we are. Fifteen minutes in. Great. Totally worth it. Worth it because I think <laughs> it's an important day. I mean, I didn't really announce anything else. Right. There was basically nothing else at the announcement. Yeah, two phones. Still hoping for an iPad event later on. Maybe they'll squeeze one in before Christmas. What are you Who missing knows? the most? What is your what is your wish list for 2018 from Apple? Anything? Do they deliver? Actually, they're they're doing really well in my books. I, I'm really not going to complain about anything. I want my OLED iPad, and that's about it. Um, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually still catching up with like all the features in iOS 11 and iOS 12. So they've gotten ahead of me. So I'm not looking for them to get too much farther ahead Mm -hmm. of me. Well, I'll tell you one thing that I'm looking for from the internet and companies that are on the internet and companies that have devices that are in my house is better and smarter devices. Now we just talked about things like the fall detection, iPhones and watches. We went back into our archive Two years, Frank, Mm -hmm. November 14th, 2016, picked out episode 19, Home Automation API Integration 2.0. We had talked about me, my first foray into home automation, which I've almost given up on. Um, But now it's a little bit different. I currently have multiple Google Homes. I have a Google Home that has a screen on it. Have you seen these new Lenovo smart displays? No. I Wow, I haven't even gotten into the screen smart Ooh. device category. That's something we'll have to talk about, but no, tell me more. Yes, so the Lenovo smart display, I will go ahead and just paste this right into our Zencaster. It's a very long link <laughs> because it came from Google. It's worth the click, huh? It's worth the click. Now, this is basically a Google Home um, with the you know Android things and the Google Assistant. But what's nicer is it has a beautiful display, multiple size displays, and I love that it has a Qualcomm Snapdragon 2 gigahertz processor in it. Um, mm-hmm. And it has great speakers, you know, 802.11ac, um, has a camera on the front for 720p video calls. Well, let's paint a picture here. It's uh-huh. basically an iPad with a giant speaker attached to it. <laughs> so, Accurate. It has a touchscreen, or- yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Well, an Android tablet, I guess I should say. Is it a touchscreen? Yeah. It is a touchscreen, but it's not running Android. It's running Android things, oh. and it's a very minimal... Basically, think mm. of think of Siri, right? How much interaction can you do? There's like little cards. You could say, tell me the weather, and, and then you could scroll through the weather. And it'll. It, what's nice about the screen is that you can tell it and, and then it will tell you like recommended responses. So if you say, like, oh, what's the weather today, right? And it'll be like, oh, well, here's the weather. And then on the bottom, it'll say like, you know, ask me about tomorrow or ask me for the weekend or whatever. And then you're like, oh, I guess I can continue the conversation. It's a conversational nice. UI. So having that UI is nice when you're playing music. It shows the box art, the podcast. It has art coming in. You know, those old HP like um digital frames digital art frames yeah it's that yeah, totally. it's totally that you know but smart <laughs> i got one i got one for my parents i think like five or ten years i don't even remember <laughs> so many years ago but it still sits there showing pictures all day long so we'll see if this thing uh has the same longevity so you say it's this uh google things thing can you write apps for that yeah so the the thing about things is that Android Things is the operating system, actually. So that's kind of, it's like a subset that's supposed to be made for for smart and connected devices. And what's important there is that it connects up into the Google Assistant. So you can actually build smart things apps, um, which are nice, um, that give you a headless experience um, there. But most likely what people will use is they will use these things called actions. Um, And the thing about actions are they're very similar to any of these smart devices. As we talk about smart devices, as we can unlock their potential is, I think, what does the Echo have? The What do you mean? The Echo, yeah, they have skills. Mm -hmm. And all the skills are web services that you put up. And so you can register a database of phrases with them, like a big static text file. If this is everything that I can recognize. And then those make calls out to your web service yep. that you host. Got it. Yep. So is this at all similar to that? You mentioned Google Assistant. Sorry, I don't know anything about the Google side of any of this. So is that a, a server-based technology stuff? Or are we actually putting apps on the device at all? So we're doing both, actually. From okay. from my understanding, but I believe that what happens here are the apps are kind of OEM style things. Now, because what it is is okay. So think about this: um, Android Things is whatever the Echo OS is. Okay, so whatever the OS is, that's the operating system. Now, what's unique about Android Things is that. I mean, that's your breadboard, right? And then you plug things into the breadboard. Um, And Android Things has APIs to do headless applications, um, applications that display a user interface if it has a screen, or the ability to just run actions, which are all cloud actions, or in a mixture of that. So if I ask my device to play a song, well, that app is kind of built in. So my Google Play Music or YouTube is built in so it can then render the user interface. So I can play YouTube or Hulu or things like that. Now, there's not an app that I can tap on the screen, really. It can recommend things, kind of like little, you know, things in, in Google Now or whatever that may recommend 
you know, things that you may want for the day, but there's, I can't be like, I can't go to my screen and say, oh, start up this app. I would have to speak to it. And then I would get additional context after there. So the, it's still conversational, but with additional abilities to interact with peripherals, such as the screen or a video camera or things like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, hmm, so many questions. So I hate to dig in, but, um, so what level of UI programming can you do? Because there is a touchscreen. So I, I get they're trying to do the conversational thing and you want everything context-based, mm -hmm. but I assume at some point you're allowed to put up something. <laughs> uh, do you know how you program that? It's it's essentially Android. <laughs> so okay. there, there is a Xamarin Android Things SDK out there that you can get. Ah. But at a high level, it's just an activity. And there's different life cycles to it. But it's very similar to just a normal Android user interface. And it has, you know, different, it has a different set of UI uh, controls like cards and things that you can control. Mm -hmm. But it basically, it, it's just, just apps, really. Yeah, at the end yeah. of the day. Okay, so side topic that I know absolutely nothing about. So there is screen versions of the Echo. And I'm curious now what they're, if they have any app app programming model beyond the skill voice one that we've already mentioned. I'm curious if they have like a UI one or something. I feel like we're doing another episode of things we don't know. <laughs> things we don't know. Uh, so what, what, describe that one more time for me. Oh, uh, so Echo devices have screens now also, mm. so they display something. Yes. I'm curious, um, as an app developer, what my in is there. Can I put something on the screen uh, or not? See, I that's where I think you can't. I, okay. you know, the, the, the thing about things is that things has an hardware SDK that you can put onto an actual device so they have a whole mm. kit that you can buy that has i don't know if it's raspberry pies i'm gonna look at the it's a it's raspberry about to ask so you, that's literally what i was gonna ask so mm -hmm. cool do you have to pay for that or is that something you just can get you just gotta buy it you can buy it from digikey or tech technic nexion i guess um uh, the, the the raspberry pi or like the sdk do you pay for the sdk no I guess? no it's free Wow. So you can just fascinating. You can just put it on there and they have ways of connecting. It's like a whole maker community, right? So you can I need a USB cable, I need a blinking LED, I need to, you know, install Android things. So it's the operating system and that gives you other things like Google Assistant and things like that optional. So imagine that I want to create um, something that uses TensorFlow to analyze mm -hmm. Uh, classification via a camera, right? So they have the sample for this. Yeah. So literally, uh, I'm going to put this also in the Zencast. These are great links I have in, in there. <laughs> I'll show you. So um, you can buy the kit, but then here, you, know, you take a photo and then use the camera to analyze that, and it will analyze it as a dog or whatever via, via TensorFlow running on the Raspberry Pi, um, which is pretty yeah. pretty cool in general. Yeah, and it's just an That's Android super app. super cool because... 
Um, I got something from Google. I'm trying to find its name. Actually, I'm looking around my room. And it was this little daughter board that you add to a Raspberry Pi to do neural network stuff Mm. in real time off the camera. So I'm actually curious um, if they have some super optimized software here or how fast can it go? That's immediately what I jumped to. I'm like, yeah, yeah, run the neural network. But how fast can you run the neural network? But that's super cool. I'm totally going to have to check this out because I still love programming robots and I'm getting tired of doing it in C and Python. So (laughs) love to check this thing out, see if I can write an Android app to do all this stuff. Yeah, I have to look. I believe... um... John Douglas and also John Dick wrote a Xamarin Android things. I'd have to I'd have to look to see if, if it's an official package that's out there. But you can totally do it. Yeah, there, mm-hmm. I see it on NuGet right now. It's updated a few months ago, and I'll I'll link to everything in the show notes. But yeah, it's just a component. It was just updated not too long ago, but it's there. I mean, they have a sample, which is mm-hmm. cool. But um, yeah. yeah. I'm excited. I think you just wasted my whole weekend here. Boom. I'm going to be playing with this thing. Well, I know. Okay. I know that. That's what I've been playing because I'm an Android person, but you, good sir, have been playing with other things. But before we get to that, let's thank our sponsor, Frank. Well, this week, they're back yet again. Our good friends over at Syncfusion. You know Syncfusion. You love Syncfusion because Syncfusion offers you over 1,000 components and frameworks for all of your applications. Whether you're developing WinForms, WPF, ASP.NET, UWP, Xamarin, JavaScript, Angular, Vue, or React, they have all the beautiful charts, graphs, controls, widgets, dashboards, every single thing that you could possibly want. I know because I use them inside of my applications. I have shipping applications with the Xamarin Syncfusion controls. What I love here is they're super optimized for iOS, Android, and UWP, and they essentially allow me to focus on my code and not the user interface. There's a bunch of things that I want to add to my app, like a calendar, a carousel, pop-up views, a Kanban board, or even process-specific files like Excel, PDF, Word, or PowerPoint, and they do it all for me. Simply install a NuGet, and boom, I have everything right at my fingertips. So where do you go to learn more? I'm glad you asked, because I'm about to tell you. Go to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. That's it. Syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. You can download their free trial to get access to everything. Check out their awesome and super nice pricing for everything, but also realize that they have a great community edition. So if you're working in the open source or a small business, check that out because you can get everything for free, which is cool. Tell them that merge conflict and James and Frank sent you. And thanks to Syncfusion for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Ooh, so I wonder if you could use Syncfusion controls on your Raspberry Pi device. Ooh, I'm liking this. That would be crazy. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. I would like that. .NET taking over the universe. <laughs> Love it. <There laughs> Thanks, it Syncfusion. Thanks, Syncfusion. Hmm. So what do you do with this? Uh, isn't that always the question? We have like all these capabilities now. Obviously, you're not writing apps for it, or at least not publicly. Maybe you can tell us if you're doing any private apps, but I haven't come up with any public apps worth shipping. You know, I, I love my Alexa. Oops, sorry. I love my Echo, <laughs> but um, I just haven't released any apps for it or anything. So I'm curious, are you doing anything? No. You know, I, I, uh, I've investigated, I viewed, I've, you know, looked at things. Uh, we did, you know, we did have a, a young gentleman, um, presented our user group about creating, 
I think it was a, a kind of a checklist before he goes on a hike to make sure he has everything in his like emergency kit. Um, and it would list mm-hmm. it off and he was using like Azure functions to do an, uh, um, uh, an echo skill. Uh, I think they're called Alexa skills, but you know, they're, you know, <laughs> um, I think that was kind of a cool type of thing. It seemed pretty simple. It was just running logic on a server whenever you asked it something. But so I haven't yeah. had a need though. That's the thing is I, I actually don't find myself talking to the, to the Google all that much, mostly when I ask Google a question, it's usually what 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 weather it is or play this song. So I, I haven't found a need where I was like, oh, what I would really love this thing to do is this thing. But I think the IoT, the the idea that maybe I could add additional things beyond a speaker intrigues me because we were just at .NET Conf in person and we saw Suze um, give an awesome IoT presentation on IoT Core or whatever. And I was like, well, look at all the stuff that you can do. Yeah. It, was, it was kind of... Reminds me of how cool this stuff is. Yeah, and it's getting easier. Um, I remember when I was first doing the Echo stuff, you had to put up a server and get like your uh, HTTPS certificate, get all that stuff working. Or you had to go over to Amazon and figure out their uh, crazy serverless function thing, which required way too many wizard steps, and I got very confused quite often. <laughs> but nowadays, um, I've been using the Azure... Uh, functions is that what it's called mm-hmm. Azure the functions. serverless stuff mm-hmm. yeah yeah and those are super easy they're just <laughs> some files sitting on some storage somewhere and you can just edit them change it around it's, it's totally like edit <laughs> edit while you're deploying what, what do you call that uh edit publicly <laughs> uh really easing to production continuously yeah <laughs> there you that go one. yeah <laughs> Yeah, so now it's like super easy to write these kinds of things. And I feel like um, even though it's gotten easier, I still haven't done it, but I have literally no excuses. I should be automating everything, but I just haven't done it yet. Yeah, we didn't even get into some of the big Azure DevOps VSTS evolution stuff. That's for a whole other episode one day. How about (laughs) next gen stuff? But so you're, have you used, because you're an Amazon Echo person, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, and mostly because I set it up, what what did you say, one year ago, two years two ago? Two years ago. And two years ago, and it just keeps working. And so you got to applaud it for that. I guess I have a piece of hardware as my terrible IoT hub that is discontinued now. Mm. So that's just a ticking time bomb. Can't wait for that. So when that goes, I'll probably have to redo everything. But so far, it's just been super reliable. And the fact that the Echo is web-based actually makes it um, easy to program for. It just never really breaks as long as it has an internet connection. Everything's working. So I still do that. You know me, I like my robotics. So I'm still doing, I do lots of little devices and they all have communication needs of their own and so any attempt i've done into these worlds has just been trying to do that with like little robots like hey robot turn yourself on hey robot turn yourself off just adding basic commands to those kinds of things just because it's fun voice interfaces are fun Hmm. yeah it's intriguing that you said so it seems like you're kind of can that all run just locally then there's really no need for anything in between 
Oh, I mean, it has to be on the public internet, just the way everything works. Yeah. So you got to put up a server or a Azure function, something, an endpoint, and then you have to go to the developer portal for your Echo and register everything and do terrible things with keys and permissions. I barely remember because <laughs> I just keep overwriting the same project <laughs> and keep using the same endpoint. That way I don't have to deal with thinking through anything. But you do have to use a web interface to do changes. I wish all that was simpler, honestly. Maybe, maybe it has improved and I just haven't looked at it in a while, but it was still kind of hairy to do that stuff. Yeah. When we were talking about it a few years ago, I was just getting into it and get, trying to do some light bulb stuff, trying to get the Google home set up, trying to get the other stuff set up. And I really feel like I haven't progressed that much. I now have Philips hues in every single outlet, including floodlights and things like Whoa. that. So I can probably, yeah, I think I can tell Google to turn off all of my lights and every light turns off, which is great. Oh, I, I, I remember that feeling. It was great. I'm like, finally, Star Trek has arrived. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was a big moment when you had every light working. Yeah, yeah. it's way better, too. Did you did you do any uh, switches? I like wall switches ah. for that. Too. So since we rent and since I don't want to electrocute myself, I didn't want to swap out <laughs> okay. the entire switch. So Philips Hughes sells these. Um, I forget what they call them. I think they're, they're, they're kind of like Philips Hughes. Hughes switch. It's like a switch plate almost. Oh. Dimmer switch. A new switch. Yeah. Okay. So you just stick it to the wall. You just kind of stick it and there's an <laughs> on off and then up down. So we just it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of janky. <laughs> but uh what we what okay. we did is we tur we you tur leave everything on, right? So you have the normal switches and you leave leave them on and I yeah. put a piece yeah. of tape over them so you can't change them. <laughs> And then I stick, I stick the little dimmer Hughes thing right next to it. I'll, I'll, I'll put this right here into our, into your Zencast. You're opening a lot of Zencaster links today, but I'll link to this oh, here. Yeah. And this is what I have. So I have the little dimmer switch kit and you know what? It works great. You can take it off. You can move around with it and you assign it to control a bunch of different light bulbs and boom, it totally works. So mm, I love it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this solves a few problems I have. By the way, I can't tape up my uh, switches like that because whenever the power gets reset in my apartment, which is surprisingly often in this neighborhood, I don't know what's going on in Seattle. <laughs> Got some power problems. Mm -hmm. uh, all my lights turn on. So that's not fun. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so if they were taped, yeah, there, there'd be like a long period of just never being able to whatever, get them off. But um, I do like this little device. Uh, is it battery powered then? Because you said you carried it around. Yeah, it's just a little battery that's in there. What a remote. remote. Light remote. Yeah. Okay. Stick it to the wall. Yeah. That works. Yeah. I guess that's easier than programming. What's cool <laughs> about it, though, is, is as I start to think about what things I would build for this, especially with Android things, what I like is when I tell it to turn on some lights, the Google, like, uh, tablet thing lights up and it has a gauge and I can interact and I can move it. I can change different colors or different settings on it. Like, so I don't even have to talk back to it. It's almost like contextually aware that I'm, I just talked to it and here's a bunch of options. So I think that's kind of the next evolution of home automation, which is when I think of original home automation, it's pre-programming all of this stuff and you have all the controls and all the things. 
but really you want that contextual information and this contextual conversation is what's driving us there. So now we can not only have a contextual conversation, but we can create applications and portions, little tiny segments of an application. Because when I open the Hughes app, there's a whole bunch of things, right? There's a whole bunch of things. But when I'm on my smart display, you know, my smart Google home, and I say, turn on the lights, and it turns on the lights and then it shows me, oh, the lights were last set at 50%. I can just drag it to 100 or set it to green or whatever. Uh, and that's kind of a nice touch. So these nice additive things uh, really intrigue me of, of yeah. the next generation home automation. Yeah. And you're getting kind of to the heart of what I've been bouncing around here is the word actual automation, because we keep using the word smart and it's a vague word. It doesn't really mean anything, but uh, I'm an electrical engineer. So words mean a few things to me. So what we've really been doing is just improving the control of everything, adding um, uh, digital control, a computer control to everything. And we call that smart because we're able to use our smartphones and send the signals and do that. So we've been adding control. But what we really want is that automation part that you were saying, where we can have it key off of actions, take this, do that, um, detect when you're in a room. I, some of this conversation started because I was complaining to you that I never uh, turn my fans off. And so I'm tempted to put cameras in every room of my apartment staring at me and deciding whether someone's in the room or not. So it turns things on and off. And I think that's what we're actually building up to is that kind of smart home automation. The problem is programming all that stuff by hand is a real chore. I know some people who have done it. They show, used to show up at our meetup. That was always good times. But it's 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 just not here yet, <laughs> that, that kind of stuff. We're still just refining our little control inputs right now. Mm. And we have terrible things like if to to to, but that's not anywhere near where we want yeah, well, or where I want <laughs> this stuff to be. It's, it's true. I yeah, we were talking about that. So what are the what are the issues with? Oh, I want. To, so you were talking about like when I enter the room and I, re, I go back to. Some of my favorite movies, um, um, what was the one that was kind of like a Microsoft one? Um, oh, gosh, what is his name? Oh, yeah. Is this the one Miguel was oh, in? Oh, yeah. Miguel de Acaza movie. <laughs> it, it, I keep thinking micro nerds, but that's not micro surfs because that was the book. And then uh, the movie was called Antitrust. Antitrust. Thank you. He was also in the movie called The Code. I don't know, by himself. So, yeah, yeah, I always joke with him that because I actually watched Antitrust growing up. And I thought it was really intriguing. I watched that. I watched Hackers. I watched all these like, you know, kind of I call them a little bit nerdy movies. Mm -hmm. um, I think so. Yeah. And what I liked about some of this movie that really intrigued me was when Ryan Felipe would go into, I believe was really kind of the Bill Gates house is what I'm really picturing it of is that, you know, they're, they're kind of fictitious company. It's kind of like an Apple, Microsoft, Google mm -hmm. hybrid of a company. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when they would walk in, they would, the, the, the photos, the digital photos, funny, we'll go back to digital photo frames would detect your emotion and of in the room and Ooh. it would dynamically generate and display images based on who you were, what your emotions were, what you were liking up like, and set the mood of the wow. room. Right. Like, and now that's automation. Like that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny that you're giving that example because I remember, and I remember being so impressed by it also, uh, back in the day. And, but I'm also listening and laughing to myself because I could write that app in iOS in like, 
one day easily mm-hmm. <laughs> with like all the libraries built in now. Yep. Okay. I can listen for random text. I can do a sentiment analysis on that. I can match that sentiment with a bunch of sentiment analysis on art. I can display the art. I can do cute little transitions. Yep. I could write that. <laughs> so I guess uh, we, we are in the future or at least in the sci-fi future of the 90s, that awesome dystopian one. Um, But I want this stuff to be super easy. Like, I want to be able to uh, walk up to the Echo and say, hey, when I enter this room, put up Van Gogh paintings. When I leave, put up Starfields. And just make it that easy. You know, that that's kind of the, yeah. You just want it to take commands by voice and add scripts, add events. Basically, you want to program by voice. You know, I'm a programmer, so that's what I want. Yeah, I think it's it's very true. I, I, you know, I think we're in a world where these are becoming more capable. And again, who knows? Maybe in two years, we'll also be talking about that we did it, right? Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I think we're getting there. And you're right. I, I think of the world where we have these smart kiosks, you know, that you see those demos that show you how old you are, your emotion in real time. Well, there's no reason that you couldn't, you know, not have, you know, it do some stuff based on who you are and um, your characteristics and your emotion. And you could tell it what it is. And and like you're saying, you could literally pick out Van Gogh or whatever and, and display art from all these things. So the, I think the APIs are there. It's it's kind of now it's a combination of all the things when you think about it, because it's a combination of, oh, okay, I got to get the hardware. I got to create the IoT thing. I got to you know, put the things mm-hmm. together. I got to <laughs> do this thing. And you're like, that seems like a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it is. And and you're, you're putting together a bit of a, I, I was about to say mousetrap because I can never remember the long word for it. You know, uh, lots of complicated intercombined pieces semi-cooperating with each other, which means basically it fails after six months because you've forgotten how all the pieces fit together and you didn't update your SSL certificate and all that stuff. But I think with this future of uh, serverless and all that, I think actually life's getting a little better for that where maybe your project could actually survive for multiple years without you having to do maintenance on it. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> we would see it scales up and scales down on demand. That's one thing that I would appreciate. Yeah. I, I got freaked out by that uh, kiosk thing. Uh, do you remember if, if it's a, not really a meme, but it was going around on the internet, one of the Pizza Hut ones? Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that, but um, one of them crashed and was showing all the data it was collecting with a camera. Oh, no. And it's basically, oh, it's this person, this guest sex, this guest age, this guest, you know, guest, 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 and just recording all that data. <laughs> so you, you just wonder, like, yeah, so when I mentioned it's pretty easy to write that app on iOS these days, you can imagine people with real incentive for writing these kind of apps have been doing it already. That's true. Terrible. Uh, scary. <laughs> well, I don't know what we talked about, Frank, on this episode. Do you know? I have no idea. It was, it was IOT. It was our one year in review of IOT. How are things going? Nothing's changed for me. You've bought a lot of devices, but are just using them by their default. And there's more <laughs> hardware APIs and SDKs and things that we can connect more than ever, and we have no idea what to do with it. Yeah, and we have no excuses either. So if I wanted to live in a Star Trek universe, I could. I'm just choosing <laughs> not to, I guess. All right, well, is there anything else you want to talk about, Frank? Uh, no, that did it. I do look forward to the next recap and 
one year or two. I will we'll do see. a yearly IoT recap. That sounds like fun to me. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah. thanks everyone for tuning in. We've been getting some really good responses on Twitter, and we actually do want your feedback. One thing you know, Frank and I were talking about is that. We come up with great topics every single week. We believe so, but we want to hear from you. We got some great things um, online recently about talking about how to properly develop on Mac OS to build cross-platform apps, um, talking about design patterns, um, how can we you know, optimize and use our um, IDEs to their full abilities, and a whole bunch of great things that people have reached out to us on Twitter at Merge Conflict FM. But also you can write into the show. You can send us an email, which we love because it's directly in our inbox and we cannot ignore it. You can go to mergeconflict.fm and there's a contact button in the top right. Just do that. It sends us an email and we read it. We love it and we love our listener feedback. If you have ideas, things you like, things you don't like, things that you think that we can improve, let us know. Of course, you can rate, review, subscribe everywhere on the internet. If you're using Apple Podcasts, we would love a review. We like to read those and keep informed on what everyone's thinking of the podcast. But I think that's going to do it for this week's Merge Conflict. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.